It's 105 degrees in Texas today, but somehow, some way, the TCU fan base has managed to give us even hotter takes about TCU football in 2023. We rate those takes today just to see how spicy TCU fans are feeling about this year's football team. Plus, fall camp takeaways, TCU pauses the SMU rivalry and Big 12 over-unders. All that right now on Frogs Insider. Welcome in to another episode of Frogs Insider. I am Jamie Plunkett, here as always with Melissa Trebowasser. We are the TCU podcast for the Republic of Football Network and Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Got a little podcast business right at the top of the show. First and foremost, a big thank you to our sponsors, Hell's Half Acre Sporting Goods and Homefield Apparel. Hell's Half Acre is a brand that was created with Horn Frogs in mind. Each item sold makes a direct impact on TCU student-athletes. So go to hellshalfacresg.com and check out all their TCU gear from polos and shirts to headwear and home goods. Hell's Half Acre has all the TCU goods you need to get ready for game day. And Melissa, they just dropped their new TCU football polo. So cool. Last it's week. so cool. It, it looks, looks great. so good. It will make the perfect game day polo for everyone this season. So Hell's Half Acre sg.com it's the place to go to grab your game day polo your hat and everything you need for your tailgate listen i'm gonna i'm gonna jump on your read of home field apparel because you just talked about a new drop for hell's half acre we Mm -hmm. love them they're great home field apparel by the time that you are listening to this will have dropped the thing i've been waiting for for so long and the thing i cannot wait to drop an insane amount of money on and that is a tcu bomber jacket and as a child of the 90s of the early 90s of who vividly remembers how much my life changed the day that my sixth grade boyfriend let me wear his starter jacket mm. it was a chicago bulls starter jacket but we won't hold I that mean, against old in, the 90s, in the 90s that's it was prime, yeah it right? was pretty i mean it was the the red satin the fact that i'm going to be able to buy a tcu bomber jacket tomorrow morning when i wake up is honestly when that email came through sunday night it's the the happiest i've been in a, in a long time um it's gonna be gorgeous and beautiful because everything they do they release an incredible jack trice uh bomber jacket mm-hmm. for iowa state today that's an incredible i mean they they do not miss they we only get sponsored by apparel companies that hit home runs yep. and home field apparel continues to hit home runs and when you purchase and i don't think the bo- the bomber jacket is going to be eligible for this discount i'm pretty sure it is not so uh but for the rest of everything because you're going to go on there to look at the bomber jacket because i've hyped it up and you're going to be like i also want all of these things mm-hmm. when you do buy all of these things you can get 15 percent off your first purchase with the code frogs in 15 f-r-o-g-i-n one five f-r-o-g-s I am one five, uh, 10% off of every, every purchase thereafter. Um, amazing, amazing stuff at home field apparel for TCU, for other schools, for the entirety of the big 12. Uh, they dropped a couple they're adding old miss. And I bet that old miss collection is going to be so sick because you know, the, the powder blues are coming out and it's mm-hmm. going to be a beautiful thing. So please, please, please home field apparel. Yes. Homefieldapparel.com, hellshalfacresg.com. And you're going to be set with everything you could possibly need apparel-wise as a Horn Frog fan. 
Melissa, we've got a ton to get to today, but first I got to get my weekly Truby's flag football update. How's it going this week? How are practices? Are you guys getting ready for the season? So despite the fact that TCU or uh, that the state of California is experiencing a um, hurricane, mm-hmm. uh, guys, it's rough out here. It's tough. Um, thankfully, in Northern California, I did not have to deal with Tropical Storm Hillary um, or the earthquake that hit the southern portion of the state. Um, so it was finally cool enough, though, because of this weird weather. We got to get on the field for the first time today. Uh, we got a scrimmage tomorrow. I'm very excited just to see us go against some uh, some some live defense. We finished today with a little bit of a offense versus defense and some live situation. Scored a touchdown on our first drive, and then the nice. defense just absolutely ate our lunch the rest of it. So um, defense looks good. Off- I'm in charge of the offense. I got some work to do, but we're we're just so we've got so much to learn. These girls, a lot of them have never played before, but I'm telling you, like when my quarterbacks make the right decision. We look really, really good. And when they're comfortable with the play, they make the right decision. So installs, you know, taking some time as it mm-hmm. tends to do. Uh, but super pumped for our scrimmage tomorrow. I'll be, I'm sure I'll be tweeting about it. Um, and then we're uh we're we're just two weeks tomorrow from our first game. So I'm I'm fired up. We still have 60 girls out there. They are having a great time. Um, they're working hard, great attitudes, and uh they they are really loving playing football. And I am living my absolute best life being a football coach. It is so much fun. So much Six, fun. 60 girls. There are no, so there are no roster limits or anything on this? So we we did this as a no-cut sport in year one because we nice. had no idea what the turnout was going to be. I've got 25 varsity uniforms and the rest of them will be playing JV. So that's okay. – and, and we won't dress everybody for JV every week. Um, but I, I it's – I'm su- I was supposed to narrow it down to 35 for tomorrow's scrimmage. And by the end of the day, I was just like, everybody wear a white t-shirt. I don't know if I'm going to get you all in, but they're making it really, really difficult on me, um, which I love, which is great. They're, we got a lot of kids that can play. So Good. well, tomorrow's going to be fun. I, I, you know, my quarterbacks have, have some growing to do. They've got the arms. They just got to learn how to make reads. That's the hardest part of the game. And it's hard to do that when you've been practicing in a gym for the first week of practice. So true. I think we'll come a long way here the next two weeks. I'm excited. Well, good luck to the Trubies on that scrimmage on Tuesday. Offense needs to put up some points, though. I'm telling I know. you. We're going to have to score. And listen, hit the check down. Hit the check down. That's what I keep telling the quarterbacks. They're throwing in a triple coverage. No, you got a, you got a running back that's going to pick up 10 yards because there's nobody around her. Just check it down, baby. Just check it down. So as soon first as they downs. get back to the other head, first downs, listen, first 20 downs yards. You just got to get 20 yards to get a first down in this game. It goes so It's so easy. So just hit the check down. Two check downs are there. Down. Yeah, you're there. So, and I got, I got running backs. Whoo. Can't, you cannot pull their flags. It's great. I love it. Love to see it. It's great. Shifty. You love We're to see that. We're having fun. We yeah, are like having Deuce, fun. Like, like Deuce Vaughn out there. Anyways, Deuce Vaughn against people who play in the secondary. Um, <clears throat> anywho, moving right along. We're going to jump into some TCU stuff right now. Um, folks, if you like this podcast and you haven't done this yet, make sure that you hit subscribe on the YouTube channel like and, and rate and review us on wherever you get your podcasts so that you keep getting more TCU content. The show has been growing like crazy since we started this thing with Dave Campbell's. And we're very, very thankful for everybody who's listening. We want to make sure that everybody else has an opportunity to hear it too. So the more you leave ratings, the more you leave reviews, the better that helps us on all of those different kind of podcast platforms and on YouTube as well. So make sure you're there, make sure you're everywhere uh, and leave us a comment on the YouTube channel as well to tell us what you like about the show. And now with that, we're going to jump into uh, TCU upsetting another fan base in the offseason. This seems to be an annual tradition 
these these days. You know, last year it was Texas Tech fans really upset about that uh, three game mini plan that they had to buy their tickets through to keep a purple plan, as Jeremiah Donati called it. Uh, brilliant marketing strategy, mm-hmm. brilliant sales strategy that worked out for TCU. So as I mean, as much as Tech fans are upset about it, hey, it worked. Thanks for buying all those tickets and then reselling them and filling the stadium with with purple folks for us. Uh, it was really great of you to do that. This year, it's SMU fans because they're they're pausing the iron skillet rivalry. TCU is Melissa. When you heard that this was happening, news broke about this uh, late last week. When you heard that TCU was going to pause the iron skillet with SMU, what was your like initial first reaction to that? Well, listen, I get it. It makes perfect sense from a logical perspective, and I hate it. So I feel the same way about the end of, or the pause of the iron skillet that I do about realignment in general. Um, It makes tons of sense for TCU, probably the right thing for TCU to do for myriad of reasons, but it's another regional rivalry, one of the closest proximity regional rivalries that exists in the game of football, a rivalry that's been played well over a hundred times that at most points has been very lopsided and uneven, but over the last couple of years has gotten real salty you know, when Sonny Dykes went to TCU and now, uh, or went to SMU and now with him at TCU and, and Rhett Lashley, who's a, looks to be a, the worst, a competent college football coach. Um, and so I, I think that it's, it's another kind of domino to fall in the new realm of college football where, you know, at the end of the day, it's cost benefit analysis and there's very little benefit to TCU playing SMU outside of for the fans. Um, and most TCU fans, except of, you know, those of the elder variety will tell you they don't want to play SMU. The younger fan base doesn't care nearly as much. Um, maybe that's starting to shift a little bit. The SMU has won two of the last three. Um, but I think that if you were to tell me, the options are TCU plays SMU or TCU plays more kind of power five, interesting power five teams in that slot. Then I get it. I don't like it. I'm, I want to hold on to that SMU rivalry, but it makes sense to me why TCU is not. And this is the new reality of college football. I mean, we've seen, we've seen rivalries exist beyond conference alignment right and this the tcu smu rivalry is a a rivalry that has lived beyond conference affiliation for you know the better part of three decades at this point i mean when the southwest the tcu and smu haven't been in the same conference since the southwest conference broke up and the rivalry has continued they've played roughly 20 25 times since then so Mm -hmm. it's not like the conference realignment at least in this case is what's killing the rivalry or pressing pause on the rivalry like it did for Texas and Texas A&M, like it's about to do for OU and, and Oklahoma State. You know, Iowa and Iowa State have managed their rivalry despite being in separate conferences for a very long time now. Um, but I think the hangup with this, and Jeremiah Donati spoke to this when the announcement came out last week, is that TCU wants more home games. Yeah, Bigger programs in the country get to get to uh, – dictate how many home games they have a little bit more, especially when it comes to non-conference because other teams want to go and play those teams. They want to test themselves against the best teams in the country. And right now, and you know, for the last 15 years or so, TCU has been one of those teams. TCU is the seventh highest winning percentage in college football in the last 20 years. And they have the opportunity now to bring more programs to Fort Worth rather than 
doing the back and forth to Dallas every other year with SMU. Again, right. We can say what we want about rivalries and, and being disappointed, but you're right. This makes a lot of sense from a TCU standpoint, simply because if they want to get more home games in, then at least every other year, they can't play SMU in Dallas because that's taking away one of those opportunities for a home game. Yeah. And if you're playing a power five opponent, then you're likely going to do what they've done in the past and what they're doing this year and last year with Colorado, which is you're going to schedule a home and home, which means that you're going to be on the road for at least one of those non-conference games. That being said, you've got to make sure the other two are home games. And if you're playing a home and home like last year with SMU and Colorado, two of your three opportunities to have a non-conference game at home were actually on the road. They were in Boulder and they were in Dallas and your only non-conference home game was an FCS opponent. Yeah. Right. And then because of the way the big 12 schedule has been the last few years, you either get four or five home games. So you're talking about either having potentially as low as, as few as five home games in a football season, when you've got Ohio state, Alabama, Michigan, Georgia, all of these other big name schools, Texas and OU a lot of the time as well, who have as as many as eight or nine home games every year. So for the TCU fan, I think this is a really good decision. Yes, it's disappointing to see a rivalry go by the wayside, but in my opinion, TCU's still playing their main rival every year because that's Baylor, right? That's the number one rival. They've got a really good rivalry, you know, budding with Texas Tech. They've got really cool opportunity to kind of renew a rivalry with Houston. They've got an opportunity to see some old mountain West conference faces now with BYU and Utah, right? Like TCU won't be lacking for meaningful games every single year, even if they don't go to Dallas every other year at this point. So I think that makes perfect sense. I guess the disappointing thing and kind of listening to you talk through that is now when you tell me SMU isn't going to be replaced from what it sounds like, logically, SMU isn't going to get replaced with a marquee game. SMU is going to get replaced with another, you know, you teach uh, Martin, Tennessee Martin or something. It's going to be another FCS or lower level FBS opponent to get that, you know, home game where you don't have to make a return trip. And so you'll still have your one marquee out of conference, but your extra home game on those years. And I, I'm assuming that still once every three or four years, they're going to put in someone interesting or a neutral site game or something but it's going to be another one of those kind of pay them pay pay to lose kind of games, body bag games, right? And so it's a home game and that's great, but it's not a home game that's going to move the needle a whole lot for the fan base. And it's going to be one of those by the fourth quarter, everybody's back out at the tailgate. I don't know. I think there's a middle ground there, right? You don't have to play either Tennessee Martin or Ohio State, right? Yeah. You, can, you can schedule a two for one with Tulane. Yeah. You could do a two for one with Memphis. Right. Those are fun games that are drivable for those fan bases that could come up here and get and have a fun time. TCU gives them one game in return for two coming to Fort Worth. That's not a bad deal for Tulane, who probably yeah. wants to recruit in DFW a little bit more, or Memphis, who wants to do the same thing. Right. Or you're talking about Tulsa. You're talking about, I don't know, there are, there are a, a litany of AAC schools, Mountain West schools that would probably love to do a two for one with TCU. You know, get San Diego State in here a couple times. Uh, some other schools like that. Um, it's not just it's not just going to be an FCS game every single year, right? They're not going to schedule two of those. Um, but it's also unreasonable, I think, to to expect a 
a top five, top 15 team coming into Fort Worth every single year too. Yeah. There's got to be a little bit of middle ground there. And I think when you look at what they've already got on the docket through 2030, yeah. it's pretty much all power five teams, but you pair, you know, in three years from now playing, I don't, I'm not looking at the schedules Stanford with yeah. a Tulane. Like I just said, that's a pretty yeah. fun non-conference slate of teams that are coming into Fort Worth that you don't normally get to see here. And then, yeah, you throw another Nichols or an ACU into that Tarleton state, whoever as well. And you got your non-conference schedule, but I think there's a, there's a cool opportunity for some variety here with some teams that probably really want to get to Fort Worth to play some football. And I hope that's how it works out because if, if you're telling me that that's going to be the trade-off, that's certainly livable. And like you said, there are some great, I mean, we, we play Purdue for that second half of that home and home in like 2047. Um, we won't like <laughs> college football. We played on the moon at that point. It's great. But yeah, you've got Stanford. I'll probably be dead. So who yeah, knows? I, I'm older than you. So God will only know. We'll find out. But you've got UNC with the home and home. You've got Duke. Now, again, all of these things could change as you know, realignment and like yeah. God willing, Stanford has a football team on in September of next <laughs> year. I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what conference they're going to be a part of there. There's obviously still quite a, quite a few moving pieces, but um, yeah, if you, if you've got an opportunity to get creative with the scheduling and you would think that Jeremiah Donati and Sunny Dykes are going to prioritize those types of matchups. Um, don't, don't tell the fan base you want, you want to give them an extra home game and then give them two FCS schools. I don't think that's the plan whatsoever. Um, and as long as that's not the case, then yeah, I mean, just give me something I can get excited about. If you're going to take away a hundred plus year old rivalry, one of the oldest rivalries and one of the best, like one of the best trophies as far as getting turned into something funny on the internet, because mm -hmm. the skillet has been like, and, and credit to Sonny Dykes, he kind of started it, you know, when, when he fried up those frog legs in that skillet a couple of years ago and really riled up the fan base. When, when this rivalry has been good, it's been fun. The problem is it just hasn't consistently been good over the last 25 years because no. SMU has been garbage for most of it. Yes, it's true. SMU has been very bad. We can't overstate that. Um, enough. They've, they've been terrible, but at the same time, you know, TCU and Baylor, like to argue the other side, TCU and Baylor have both gone through seasons where they've played some awful football and the other team has just de destroyed them for lengthy periods of time. So uh, I, I, again, I understand both sides of the argument <clears throat> and I understand the folks that are disappointed. I'm less, I'm far less disappointed in, in losing the iron skillet than a lot of people, I think, but uh uh, that's only really truly because in this day and age, whatever you have to do to continue to advance your program, whatever you have to do to maintain um, a reputation from yeah. a brand standpoint, whatever you have to do to maintain uh, whatever it might be so that the next iteration of realignment or the next iteration of a playoff or the next iteration of whatever college football looks like TCU's on the inside looking out and not the other way around. Yeah. And if in this moment they think that more home games, better attended home games and putting your foot forward in that way does that, then do it, just do it. And, yeah. and so I'm, I'm glad they're making that decision as hard of a decision as it might've been. Uh, it was the right one for TC right now. Hey, speaking of hard decisions, depth starts really taking shape over there at fall camp. I know you've had an opportunity to be out there a couple of times. Um, mm -hmm. I, in browsing the show notes here, you have piqued my interest with the use of the word creative in mm. describing the run game and the pass game. And then in quotes, very creative. Pass nothing, 
no better descriptor for no, no better adjective than very. Right. So, um, anywho, yes, I have been out at fall camp for the last, last couple of weeks, uh, had a chance to see a lot of what's going on out there. This past Sunday was the final fall camp that was open to media. It was a shorter practice. It was, it was 14 periods. Um, but because it was the last one, they just kind of let us hang out the whole time instead of leaving after the first hour, which That's had been nice. the case. Yeah. Um, which meant that we got to see all three team sessions for practice. And <clears throat> I mean, I'm not going to give away any company secrets or anything like that. Cause I like going back to practices and that kind of thing. Um, yeah. But I will say that uh, what Kendall Bryles is doing with the offense is, is, is very creative. Um, and I think TCU fans are going to be extremely pleased with how the offense looks starting in week one with against Colorado, uh, the amount of talent on the offensive side of the ball is really starting to stand out. They've made a ton of progress over the last two and a half weeks of fall camp simply because they've been able to go a little bit faster than they did during spring. You know, spring install was, Hey, here are the basics of everything. Here's the foundation of what this offense is. And it was a lot of guys going through the motions, but also thinking a lot as they were going throughout things. We got to talk to JP Richardson a couple, a couple practices ago, and he said something along those lines, as far as, you know, this, this fall, we're going a lot faster. The tempo has picked up even more than it has from spring because we're not thinking as much. We're just running the plays now. Um, and I think we saw that, especially this last week, because the first week and a half, the defense got the better of the offense, hands down, like the defense was winning every single day. And the last week and a half, it hasn't quite been the case. You know, uh, it's on Sunday. You're going to need some hope for my offense right now. Look, I'm telling you, you progress happens in, you know, increments and it's not going to, it's not going to happen all overnight at once. And, you know, Sunday morning, that, that first team practice, that first team period, like the second play Chandler hits JP Richardson on this deep over the middle route and Richardson catches it perfectly in stride, beats the safety and is gone fully gone and it was perfectly executed the defense was in good position to make the play jp and, and chandler just made a better play uh and so and you see you see that more and more frequently we've seen that more and more frequently throughout these last few practices is the offense getting some rhythm the offense gaining some confidence against what is probably going to be one of the better secondaries in the big 12 if not the country so um it's been fun to see and and i think tcu's offense is going to look a lot different than it did last year. There's going to be, uh, I mean, it's just not going to be four wide all the time. Um, they're going to use a lot of 11 and 12 personnel. Jared, Jared Wiley's primed to have an ex extremely big year um, at tight end. Uh, you know, Chase Curtis is another tight end that's probably going to see the field a lot. Uh, and I think we're going to be really pleased, though, when we see how this offense looks and how it operates and, and the opportunities that it creates for various people uh, as, as we get into the season here. I think it's, it's, I've been hearing a lot about Chase Curtis um, and then, and like the biggest Jared Wiley stand on the, on the planet. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk about the tight end down at Texas. There's a lot of, there's a lot of guys getting a lot of publicity, but I, I think based on what we've seen historically in, in the Kendall Browse office and just the, the type of athlete and how much work that Jared Wiley has, Wiley has put in this off season, I think you're absolutely right. I think he has a chance um, maybe he won't have the best statistics 
in the Big 12, but we saw him make huge plays, especially third down plays a season ago. Um, he he became such a, a dependable weapon and still is probably underutilized because of how good Quentin Johnston was. I think that, like you said, the talent is certainly there, but I think we see Jared Wiley a lot more early in the season um, as Chandler Morris just probably is going to have a lot of comfort with him um, as a guy that's been around. Um, and, and I think he can be one of the toughest matchups for opposing defenses uh, in the conference, for sure. It's going to be fun to watch him. Um, and, and Chase Curtis, now that's, if I remember correctly, he was a guy who was recruited as a, as a wide receiver. He's got some good speed. He's obviously added some weight and some bulk. Um, but he's a, he's an interesting weapon too. A, a guy that's always kind of been around that you'd usually hear a little bit about him in spring. I know he's been banged up. He's had some kind of nicks and, and bruises and hasn't, you know, has had to deal with some minor injuries, I believe throughout his career at TCU, but he could definitely be uh, an interesting kind of one of those kind of hybrid type players that, that can be deployed to run some more creative routes and do some different things. So uh, I, I'm excited to see the differences. I, I have a lot of confidence in, in what this, this unit can do if they can execute just based on the talents that, that's there. There's obviously going to be some growing pains. This is a almost completely new or, or a lot of new faces, you know, on this offensive at the skill positions, offensive side of the ball. But um, like you said, I think that defense is going to be a huge assist at the first part of the season is, is guys that can kind of, that they, they obviously seem to be in lockstep right now. Mm -hmm. uh, so if they can kind of carry TCU in, in these first couple of games while the offense kind of gets things rolling, you hope by the time we get to the Houston game that that, that offense will kind of, will be clicking just as much as the defensive side of the ball is. Yeah, I think I think you're you're spot on there. This is is going to be an offense that picks up steam. The more comfortable and confident they get, the more that Kendall Bryles allows them to get deeper and deeper into the playbook. Um, that's going to be a, a really fun thing <clears throat> to to see develop over the course of the season. Uh, and TCU fans are going to be really pleased with with what they see. I believe on that side of the ball. But like you mentioned, the defense is. is the side of the football that's primed to start the season on a really good note. They're returning seven starters off of this defense from a year ago. It's a year or two under Joe Gillespie as the defensive coordinator. And when we talked to Johnny Hodges earlier this fall camp, um, I asked him kind of what the biggest difference was between year one and year two of being in the defense. And uh, he said, you know, it's, it's going to be even faster than it was last year. Uh, they have, uh, a little bit more of an understanding of uh, how def how other offenses can take advantage of their defense, and so how they read plays and 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 how they react to things. Um, and it, he he came off as incredibly confident that the defense was going to take another step forward this year, just like they did last year. Um, and they've been going, like I said, against a very dynamic offense all fall camp that has challenged them in a variety of ways, and you know gotten the better of them here and there as well. So this is, this is going to be a defense that uh, I think is faster and bigger than they have been in the past. Uh, just when you talk about physical size of some of the bodies that are out there uh, and, and they're going to, they're going to make it a really just a, a they're going to make life difficult for opposing offenses. Teams are going to score points in this league. That's always been the case and it always sure. will be, but this is a defense that, you know, like we saw at times last year in the Texas game and late in those games against Kansas state and Oklahoma state uh, can go out there and get you stops when you really need them uh, and produce some, some big time turnovers as well. So I, I think we're going to see more of that from the defense this year. Uh, and again, same, same thing with, with on the offensive side of the football, the depth and the talent is just, I mean, I, I get really hyped up during the fall most years 
and I'm trying to temper myself this year, but this team looks like it, it could be better than last year's team. Will they go to the national championship? Who knows? Probably not. Will they go to the Big 12 championship? Who knows? Maybe not. Uh, but I think that we are watching a team uh, just we're, we're in year two of a team building process with Sonny Dykes. And I think we're going to see the progress that he's made in two and a half recruiting cycles this year on the field in a very real way. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's unreasonable to say that TCU football might be a better football team this year and not go nearly as far mm-hmm. as TCU football did last season. Um, I think you might have a more complete, more competitive team and they may not make the big 12 championship. Like you just, you just don't know. Like so many things went right. We've talked about this. So many things had to go right. So many balls had to bounce the right way mm-hmm. for the Horn Frogs last year. It's, it's a lot of skills, a lot of preparation, and it is a little bit of luck and timing. And TCU had all of the luck and timing in the world. Um, and, and I do think the big 12 is probably a little bit stronger at the top this year than they were a season ago too. But uh, I think there's a lot of pressure on the defense. Um, and, and not necessarily in a in a bad way. Um, I, I think that that defense, the expectations are as high on the TCU defense coming into the season, um, probably higher than they were on the TCU offense a year ago. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's their turn mm-hmm. to kind of set the tone and, and lead that team. So, but like you said, it's it's really hard not to look at the two deep on that side of the ball and go, yeah, th- this should be a really, really good, really competitive, really technically sound unit that will make plays when they need to make plays and still give up some points along the road because it is, it is still a, a football right now is meant to, to score. So um, that's the way that the, the way the game is officiated and the way the game is set up favors the offense. But I, I don't think you're going to see this team kind of giving up 20, 25, 30 points very often. Um, and, and that's, that's really all you can ask. Yeah, especially when you when you think that you have an offense that's going to be as productive as SGCU thinks they've got. It's not about, it's not about, shutting people out it's about you know winning just yeah. winning by whatever yeah, whatever win. means you need win to by, so. win by one right or win more i'm cool yeah. with winning by more as well yeah i do enjoy that um melissa as we as we kind of move out of this we're going to talk about big 12 win totals here in just a second but i want to make sure to note a couple of guys who had really good fall camps um a lot of younger guys too that had some really good fall camps uh that are, are kind of in a position right now to have um, some significant opportunities uh, to, to contribute this year. Uh, the first one being Chase Biddle, a safety. who's a sophomore who was banged up a little bit last year, but when he was healthy, he was doing a lot of really good things on, a pra- on the practice squad. He was helping get this offense ready week after week after week, and he's been running with the ones at safety at free safety for the last couple of days of practice. He was doing that over the weekend. Um and now he's, is he going to start? Probably not. But the fact that he's worked his way into getting first team reps is pretty impressive for a sophomore yeah. uh, learning this, this defense. And he's been making some really impressive plays, especially at the line of scrimmage uh, all fall camp. So he's a guy to watch out for uh, who I think people are going to be really pleased with in that secondary as TCU kind of continues this tradition now of just cranking out elite members of the secondary. Um, could he be the fifth or fourth? sixth Thorpe award winner for TCU in the last seven or eight years. Maybe who knows down the road. Um, Cordell Russell is another guy, a a true freshman wide receiver who has come in and has been every, every bit of what he was advertised is as 
as a recruit. I don't know if that sentence actually ended up making sense. He's everything that he was advertised as, as a recruit, four-star kid, top 10 kid in Texas can jump out of the building, incredible hands, very aggressive, incredibly fast. Like he is a dude. I don't know how much playing time he's going to get because of the depth of this wide receiver room. They've got four deep at X. They've got four deep at Z. Like they, they are stacked at wide receiver right now, but he's a guy who's going to get opportunities. They're going to rotate a lot of guys in. Uh, and when he's on the field, he's going to be a guy to keep an eye on because he's going to make some, he's going to make some people really, really excited when he gets the football in his hands. He is my rookie crush. I there think this kid is, I, I, despite the depth, I think this kid's going to play a ton. And I think he's not, maybe not a ton of time, but I think he's going to get meaningful snaps. And I think he's going to be a big part of this offense. He might not have massive numbers, but I think this is a kid that is, that is going to make plays almost every single week that, that his name is going to come up in the box score in a good way. Yeah, I think so too. Um, another guy though, keeping on going here is Jordan Lester. He's a safety that has quietly just put together a very strong fall camp mm-hmm. on Sunday morning. He had an interception. He had another really good pass breakup, both defending Jojo Earl over the middle of the field. Um, uh, he's worked his way into the two day two deep. Gosh, what's mm-hmm. going on. He's worked his way into the two deep and, and is going to see a lot of, a lot of time on the field this year as well. So that's another guy to keep an eye on. Uh, and then my personal pick for TCU's leading rusher in 2023, Amani Bailey. We know that um, Trey Sanders is going to be kind of on a workload limit. Corey Wren has battled injuries for his entire career, seems to be healthy this fall. He's going to get some playing time as well. But I think Amani Bailey might might break out and be the dude by the end of the season from, from a TCU running perspective. Uh, very excited about what I've seen from him in fall camp. I know Jeremy over at 24-7 has been talking about him a ton as well on the boards. Um, just about how how fast he is, his explosiveness, how strong he is, uh, his willingness to make contact with people. Um, I, I think he's gonna he's gonna have a real opportunity to to be the guy at times, uh, especially with you know how they're gonna be taking care of of Sanders yeah. and Wren in that backfield as well. I mean, this is a kid that averaged almost nine yards per carry and limited opportunities a season ago. Like he mm-hmm. can using him correctly. But then also using him, I, I think is I think you're absolutely right. At every time I read something about TCU and fall camp, his name comes up in a in a really positive way. Another guy whose name seems to consistently come up is one of the guys that made a big position change. Uh Namdi Obiazar seems like he's been an absolute just rock star at linebacker. Yeah, he's that he I mean, he's been running with the ones for pretty much all of fall yeah. camp. Uh he's been at that star linebacker spot that uh D winners played extremely well last year and he has looked he's looked impressive uh he's he's making all the right reads he's in the right spot at the right time he's made plays at the line of scrimmage he's made plays in coverage uh he is uh, he's got that safety background so you know you you've got a little bit of coverage skills there but he's also bulked up enough to be a player at the line of scrimmage and and that's uh that athleticism and his ability to to size up a little bit and not lose a step uh, has really helped him out. And I think the coaches have been more than pleasantly surprised with his progress at, at that linebacker spot. Uh, so look for him to have a, a big year as well. Um, and when we get into our hot takes here in a little bit, you're going to hear one that has his name in it that we're going to have to determine how hot of a take it, it is. And uh, my number might be lower than, than people expect on that. All one. right. Okay. I like it. I like <clears> it. 
All right, Melissa. So I've got a little, I got a little game for us here. Okay. I like, we I like games. The, before we get into the hot takes. Okay. Um, so with this being kind of the last week before the season starts, I know that there are some football games on Saturday, no big 12 teams play. So we're calling it week zero over here. Um, but after that football is in full swing starting the weekend of September, September 2nd. And um, so what I want to do is I want to take all of the win totals from the big 12. And I want us to go with a prediction over or under those win totals. I'm going to make a little bit of a social graphic. I'm also going to tweet out so that fans can, can reply and, and vote on which one they think. And we're going to put our, we're, we're going to put our records out there Hi. so that at the end of the season, we can come back and we can see who picked more correctly okay. us, you, me, or the Twitter, the Twitter verse. The Twitterverse. Um, and, and we're not like, we are not doing the math on this. Like, we're not going to say what's like physiologically, mathematically possible in these. We're just going no. gut instinct. I'm yes. not, I, I don't have the brain power at this point in the day to mm -hmm. actually figure out if, like, if I say everybody's an over, I'm sorry. I've said everybody's an over. Deal with it. There you go. Um, so as we go through this, we kind of make notes in our, in our doc here okay. about okay. Um, who picks who, um, but let's start. Uh, with BYU, one of the new members for the Big 12 this year, their over-under is set at four and a half, Melissa. Four Ooh. and a half. Four and a half. Yeah, you have the Cougs going over or under. I I think they can get to five. I'm going to go over. I think so, too. Um, I'm also taking the over simply because looking at their schedule, right? Yeah. Sam Houston, Southern Utah. Uh, I'm going to assume that West Virginia and Iowa state are both wins for them as well this yeah. year. That gets you to four. Can you find a fifth somewhere? Probably Cincinnati, right? That's what and I was so thinking too. They get I'm Cincinnati taking... at home. They get Iowa state at home. Mm -hmm. So I'm yeah. taking the over and you're taking the over on that one. Yeah. Okay. All right. This is, this is already not going well for me. Okay. This is so great. All right. Yeah, Kansas we're, state, we're awesome. Kansas state is set at seven and a half Melissa over or under on Kansas uh, State this year I'm gonna go over I think they make the big 12 championship I I think they they're probably right in that eight to nine win range so I'm gonna take the over all right well this is really boring so far because I'm also taking the over uh but when you look at their schedule they get they have an easy schedule uh, they, they got a pretty easy schedule they've they got, got a pretty really easy good schedule, schedule this year uh, I mean, non-conference is Southeastern Missouri and Troy. They, they, and Mizzou. They, and Mizzou, who they're probably going to end up beating as well. Then they get Central Florida and Oklahoma State, two teams that you don't really know what they're going to be quite yet this year. We know kind of what Kansas State is going to be. Um, they play they're, Houston. Their Kansas. toughest home game is TCU. Everybody mm -hmm. else at home, it should be a walk in the park. Yeah, their their home schedule this year: Southeastern Missouri, Troy, Central Florida, TCU, Houston, Baylor, and Iowa State. Yeah, I mean that's that's they should, should be favored. Like they should eight. be favored in every single one yeah. of those home games. Yeah, they're probably going to beat Kansas, and they're going to beat uh, Missouri and Oklahoma State on the road, which I think gets them to eight or nine. Um, yeah, I, I'm taking the over on this one easy. Yeah. Okay. Next one, Texas. <sighs> Nine and a half is the over under. 
When's the sure. last time Texas won 10 games? It's been a while. Yeah. It's been a, been a few years. It's been 2017, probably when they made the, the Big 12 championship game, right? Uh, yeah, that Sugar Bowl year was probably the last time. Let's look at Texas. They, get, they have to go to Alabama. They've got Rice and Wyoming at home as their as their uh, non-conference. Mm-hmm. They get Kansas at home. They get BYU at home. They get K-State at home. That that November 4th K-State-Texas game might be a pretty big one. They have mm-hmm. to go to TCU, to Iowa State. They get Tech at home. The last now, time... I- the last time Texas had 10 wins was 2018 when they went 10 and four and won the sugar bowl before that, the last time they won more than nine games was 2009 when they lost in the national championship. Every, wow. and, 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 you know, so there's that, I don't know what that has to do with this year, but uh, I mean, their schedule isn't the easiest. No, but it's not the hardest. I mean, you go to Bama, you ha- you travel to Baylor, to Houston, to TCU, right? That's three road in-state games of fan bases that want you. They want to kick your ass, yeah. right? This is your last year in the Big 12. Baylor and TCU especially are going to bring it. You got Oklahoma, who's trying to get back on that horse. You got Kansas State. I, I think they're going to win nine and a half games. I don't know how they win a half a game, but <laughs> I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go under – but I think I'm going to go under, I'm going to go under. Cause I, th- I think it's nine wins. I think they win nine games. I would not be shocked if they win 10, but to me, they are the team that is right on the verge. I, I fully, I fully hear you there. I, I'm also going under. We, Ugh, God, no, hang on. Same. Rice is a win. Wyoming is a win. Kansas is a win. Houston is a win. That's four. Iowa state is a win. BYU is probably a win. That's six. And then you're left with Baylor, Oklahoma, Kansas State, TCU, Texas Tech. They're going to beat Baylor. Are you going to get gonna be Texas Tech at home? Are you going to get four of those, though? No, I don't think so. But I think three is not unreasonable. I mean, that puts you right at nine. So yeah. that's still the under. I'm this is also this is my favorite like I and I'm not saying this sarcastically I don't know if there's anything I love more than listening to people talk through schedules and picking over and unders it's one of my favorite like sports talky like genre things I think it's so funny I don't know if anyone else likes it but this is my favorite I've, thing to do in sports I thought you were saying that sarcastically for a no. minute and I was kind of hurt that I you just like let me put this on the run no, sheet and I but okay freaking love doing this I don't know if it's fun <laughs> to listen to for other people but this is one of my favorite thing to do in sports is just to talk hypotheticals at the beginning before the season starts and just go I think these things and then figure out how wrong you are later yeah, well, I mean, and we put a little bit of, of money where our mouth is too because people are going to be able to, to vote in the yeah. polls and, and yeah. tell us whether they think we're right or wrong at the end of the year. So um, moving on, though, so we both took Texas under 9.5, Houston at 4.5, first year in the Big 12. Things aren't looking great down there for this, for this team right now. Here, Here's the thing, though. Again, we're just going to talk through schedules. Mm-hmm. UTSA, UTSA actually could be a loss. It's it was at home. a loss. I mean, it was a loss last year. Yeah, it's at home. But that that to me is the one. If they win that one, they're getting five wins. If they don't, I don't think they are because I think they're going to beat Rice on the road. Oh, never I mind. They beat, be... they beat UTSA in overtime last year. Okay. Never mind. And UTSA lost their quarterback, correct? He graduated, I think. I think he's he was like back. a. Oh, is he coming? Oh, he might be like one. Of the, he might be like a seventh year guy. Mm hmm. 
Um, but okay, so UTSA to me is kind of a coin flip, but it's in Houston. You've got Rice at Rice, you're winning that game. You get Sam Houston at home, you're winning that game. They also get West Virginia at home. They get Cincinnati at home. And they get whatever Oklahoma State is at home. So you are right on the cusp of that five wins. I have no idea what Houston's going to be, but I think they can get to five wins. I'm going to take the over. All right. That's good. I'm taking the under. We're different on this one. I don't see, I don't see four wins. Honestly, I think they lose. I think they lose to UTSA with Frank Harris coming back for that roadrunners team. I think rice and Sam, excuse me, rice and Sam Houston are, are the two that they get for sure. And then maybe they beat Cincy or West Virginia. Um, and even if they win both, that's four. Yeah. It's, so I'm taking, I'm taking the under there. It's close. It's close. I, I think I have a hard time disagreeing with you, but I'm going to stick with my, with my over. That's good because we need, we need some, some, some diversity some here. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> a little bit of risk. Uh, Kansas is the next team up five and a half is their win total this year. They won six last year. Uh, for the first time in God knows how long since their Orange Bowl team, I think. Um, Are they going to get to six again this year? I am very confidently taking the over. Okay. Very confidently. This is absolutely going to be a bowl team again. Mm, I don't think they are. I'm taking the under. Okay. So they get Missouri State at home. They get Illinois at home. Illinois is feisty, but I think they're going to beat them at home. Um, They go to Nevada. They're going to have no problem. They get BYU at home. They get um, uh, at the road in Cincinnati, at the road of Iowa State. Those are both going to be kind of toss-ups. Um, the the one to be that's going to be the the make or break for them is they get UCF at home. UCF might be the best of the four new teams from a talent perspective. That's going to be kind of the one. I think if they beat UCF, they end up bowl eligible. If they do not beat UCF, they probably don't. But I'm gonna I'm mm-hmm. gonna believe in the Jayhawks and six wins. I think that's great. I think I think there's definitely potential there. I just don't think they're going to catch anybody off guard this year. Yeah. Right. I mean, they Vegas they started out five and zero last year, and everyone was talking about Kansas being awesome. But look at who they played those first five games. Yeah. And nobody expected anything from them those yeah, first five games. That's so true. And now you're looking out for Kansas a little bit more this year if you're an opponent that's got them on the schedule. TCU doesn't. Fun fact: this year have Kansas on the schedule, so they will not be playing the Jayhawks. Um, I think they go under though. I don't think they get to six. Um, and I think they miss a bowl game, uh, which has been more common than not for them this past decade or so. Uh, next up central Florida. Yeah, this is bold. This is a bold over under six and a half. Are they going to get to seven? Melissa. Ooh. This is the same thing. I think it comes down to that Kansas game. If they go into Lawrence and win, I think they can clear seven. Mm-hmm. But this this schedule is not a walk in the park here. It's not brutal. They have to go to Cincinnati, but that's probably a win. They get West Virginia at home. That's probably a win. They get Baylor at home. That could be a fun game. But they should win. Um, they're three non-conference. Kent State at home at Boise State. Villanova at home. I think all three of those are wins. They are right on the cusp, but I got to find four wins in Big 12 play. Mm-hmm. Two. I'm going to go under. Really? Okay. I'm going to go under. 
I'm going I, I, over. I do think they could be really good, mm-hmm. but I just I don't know. I think there's an adjustment here. I think they I think they barely get the six. I'm going over because they get uh, here. Are their four Big Twelve wins. I'll tell you right now: Kansas, West Virginia, Cincinnati, and Houston. Okay, so this Kansas those, UCF game, you and I are gonna have, to have like a little side bet on this. Very one, excited, very yeah. excited for for that that game, October seventh. Mark it down. Uh, I'm also super excited to see Central Florida play Kansas State that sure. second to last weekend in, in September. That'll give us a really good barometer of of where yeah. Central Florida stacks up with some of the better teams in the conference. Uh, yeah, but I think you know three and zero in the non-con, and then you've got four four really winnable games, and they can probably rise up and and beat an Oklahoma State. That game's in that game's in Orlando. Um, you know, Baylor's in Orlando as well. Like they, they could get to eight, maybe nine. Yeah. I, I think that this is a really good schedule for them this year. Uh, a lot of their road games are, are a little bit lighter, right? Kansas is at Kansas since he's at Cincy. Um, you know, this is, this is a winnable, this is a takeable schedule year one for, for the, the knots. If they're doing Here's their space stuff. Here's the thing, Oklahoma at nine and a half. Did anybody watch Oklahoma play last year? <laughs> nine and a half. Like I see a world where they get to nine. I think that's a possibility. But does anybody think that they're going to win 10 games? I mean, have you seen the schedule? It's one of the softest schedules in the big 12. This it year. is, but I still don't see 10 wins on that schedule. I am taking the under and I feel, I think they could get to nine. I don't think nine is unreasonable whatsoever, but I don't see them get to 10. I, I, I could see them getting there. Let me talk you through how. I haven't made okay. my decision yet on what I'm saying over under. Okay. Arkansas State, SMU, Tulsa, three and zero. Cincinnati, four and zero. Yep. Iowa State, five and zero. You've got momentum going into that game in Texas where they beat your ass so hard last year. Mm-hmm. You want some, you want some payback on that one. They're going to lose to Texas. They're probably going to lose to Texas, but at that point they'll be five and one. So you're looking for five more. I think Central Florida's a win. I think Kansas is a win. I think Oklahoma State is a win. There, so Oklahoma State is bad, but if there is a year that Mike Gundy is going to get his team <laughs> to rise up and pull up at pull off an upset against Oklahoma, this is the year. Look, little brother Texas A and M thought that was going to happen a long time ago too. True. When they were leaving for the SEC, oh my gosh, we're going to the SEC. We're going to beat Texas one more time. Then we're going to go to a better conference. We're going to make more money. We're going to get better recruits. Our yeah, program's so you're, going to you're be better. actually arguing in favor of me because S- Oklahoma is a team going to the SEC thinking that yes. they're going to. And Texas won that game on a field goal. Yeah. And it was great. And I laughed very hard. Uh, Oklahoma State isn't going to be isn't going to beat OU this year. They're going to get as fired up as they can be, but a bad football team is still a bad football team, and yeah. Oklahoma's going to beat them. So that's, I mean, you're talking about one, two, three, four, five. Six, seven, West Virginia's eight. All right. So yeah. now you're eight with two to play and you got BYU. Oh, so you're picking against the Horn Frogs. You got maybe. BYU and TCU. Look, we're not, we're not fleshing this out that far. Well, I skipped one in there somehow. Hang on. Where did I miss one? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. No, I didn't. Okay. Yeah, you just yeah. don't want to. Five, you don't want to have five to and one, over six and one, cause... seven and one, eight and one. No, West Virginia would be nine and one. Apologies there. That's where my math was off. Mm. Then they got to win oh, one of those last beat, two. Now they've got to beat BYU. One of those but last you, two against BYU. What you did, you did some creative math to get us yeah. back to where you didn't have to. I just, TCU. I just rescheduled Oklahoma's slate so that Perfect. TCU can still beat them. Okay, they got to win. They got to win one of BYU and TCU at the end of the year to get to ten. And I think that I think that's 
doable. I mean, they go to Provo and then they host TCU in Norman. TCU hasn't won in Norman since 2005. Yeah. Until this year. Until this year. Yeah. Again, we're getting to the hot takes here in a second. Uh, give me the over. All give right. me the over on Oklahoma. I think I, we get that this year. I don't even need to look at Iowa State's schedule to take the under. Mm-hmm. I don't even think we need to talk about it. We don't. It Sorry. was five and a half. It was five and a half yeah. before the gambling scandal. Their starting quarterback is no longer there. Their starting running back stepped away from the team today um, on Monday as we're recording this. They're losing. Oh, I even missed that news that I was going to yeah, take Jarell the Brock's, under. Jarell Brock's dipping. He's gone. Yeah. This is this is an under that I took in June, right? Like this is an under I took months ago. Yeah. Um, and I will be I will be sticking it out um, because there is no shot. There is no hope in Mudville or joy in Mudville, whichever way it's phrased. It's not happening for them this year. It just isn't. Um, moving on to Oklahoma State, six and a half is their win total. I easily see seven wins and I'm surprising mm. myself. Uh, Central Arkansas, South Alabama, Iowa State, Kansas at West Virginia, Cincinnati at home. And then they just have to beat Houston on the road or BYU at home. I see, I'm taking the over. I think I still think Oklahoma State is bad. But man, that might this be the schedule, easiest schedule of anybody in the mm-hmm. conference. The Oklahoma schools, uh, they got the 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 right deal. I don't know yeah. who they paid in the Big Twelve offices to get these schedules this year. Um, here's my thing. We got we got really really hyped up about TCU in 2021. Yeah, and things didn't go that way that well, obviously. And I don't know that there's that level of hype around Oklahoma State, but we're watching a similar kind of coaching arc right now, I think a little bit with Mike Gundy and um, as fired up as he's going to be to beat Oklahoma. I don't think he does. I don't know what that Arizona state team looks like with Kenny Dillingham at the helm. I think, I think Arizona state is going to beat Oklahoma state. Right. That's what I'm saying. And so you've got your, it's still an easy path to seven wins. I mean, you've got central South. So you've got two and one in non-con that Iowa state game is probably a win. Kansas is a loss. You think Kansas Can- is a loss? Or sorry, Kansas State is a loss. Yeah. Kansas State's a loss. Kansas, I don't know. West Virginia, toss up. Toss up. Cincy, toss I up. I think they're better than West Virginia. I think they are too, but they've lost very winnable games yeah, the last true. several years. Um, and they, you know, they are bringing in a new quarterback. I don't know what this offense is going to look like. They're on their third defensive coordinator in four years. Like I I, I mean, there, there's so many guys have transferred out of that program in the last two years. I just don't know what they're going to be. Um, I think Oklahoma, Central Florida are losses. I think BYU is a loss. Uh, yeah, I'm taking the under. I'm taking, I think they get to six maybe, uh, but I don't think they get to seven. Next up, Texas Tech at seven and a half. That, man, I think they're going to get to eight. I need to look at the schedule. I'm going to go over. Talk, talk, uh, talk me through why. Uh, at Wyoming is a win. Oregon at home is a loss. Uh, Tarleton at home is a win. At West Virginia is a win. That's three. Houston at home is a win. That's four. At Baylor to me is the the toss up, or I, I think that's a neutral site game, isn't it? That's it's oh, a butthole. No, it's it's in Waco. Mm-hmm. That's a toss up, but I think Texas Tech is probably better than them. They're going to lose to Kansas State at home. They're probably going to win at BYU. Uh, TCU at Tech to me is kind of a toss up game because it's in Lubbock and it's a Thursday night and weird stuff happens. And I'm honestly not sure which of these two teams is going to be better by that point in the season. 
I want to mm-hmm. say TCU, but uh, you go to Kansas, they might be playing for some real things there. I think Texas Tech is better than Kansas. UCF at home is is a toss up, and then you finish at Texas, probably losing that game at Texas, but that still gives you one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I still I still see eight wins there. I still see eight wins. If you if you win two of those four toss up games. I'm not trying to alarm you. Okay. I'm taking the over. Yeah. And I'm taking it. I, I'm I'm throwing down on it. They're going to beat Wyoming, obviously. Yeah. The Jones has been sold out for like three months for that Oregon game already. Yeah. They're going to beat Oregon. Whoa. You think they're going to beat Oregon? They're oh, going to beat the hype train. They're going to beat Oregon. Oof, if they beat Oregon. Bo Nix is used to playing U- USC in a half empty stadium. He's used to playing or- uh, Oregon yeah, State. That's true. He hadn't seen the Jones. Oregon's going to lose to Texas Tech. They're going to beat Tarleton. They're going to beat West Virginia. They're going to beat Houston. They're going to be 5-0. and And then they got to get three more the rest of the way to get to eight. I think that Baylor, BYU, Kansas, UCF, Texas, TCU are all winnable games for them. I think Kansas State's in, I mean, Kansas State's in Lubbock. That's a winnable game for them. I think every game on their schedule is winnable this year. They don't play Oklahoma. They don't have all of the cupcakes, quote unquote, either, right? They miss Cincinnati. Um, but I, I mean, I could see them getting to nine pretty easily. They go to Austin, farewell tour. How many, how many tech fans are going to show up at, at Daryl K. Royal Stadium yeah. for that game? Well, it's going to really depend how good Texas is at that point. Because if they're winning and they're rolling, then then I think that it will be a home field advantage for Texas that they have, you know, fallen to the same stuff that they've fallen over the last couple of years. And it's not they're not playing for a shot in the the Big 12 championship at that point. Then it's Friday. It's the Friday after Thanksgiving. Yeah. Half those students are going to be gone no matter how good Texas is. I'm just saying. I don't know. I I think. Yeah, that that Texas, it's going to be fun. That's going to be a good one to watch. But TC is the thing probably playing at the same time so that's true or back to back or something yeah the next team up the baylor football bears their over under is set at six and a half melissa oh god i gotta look at the schedule i'm gonna i'm gonna just assume i'm taking the under here um they get Utah at home. They're not beating Utah. Uh, that's too good news. Tex- they've got they've got Texas State and Long Island as yeah, their other so that's, non that's as their other two, non-cons. They'll win at Cincinnati. They'll beat Iowa State at home. Houston at home is a maybe. And they get West Virginia at home. That's one, two, three, four, five. That's I'm going to take the under. I think I think six. I see six. It all depends on quarterback play, I think, for them. Yeah, for I sure. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think they've named a starter yet. Um, between Blake Shapin and, and Sawyer Robertson, I, I don't know who's going to end up starting there. I think it might be Sawyer Robertson. Um, I Yeah, I mean, Texas, Long Island are wins. Te- sorry, Texas State, Long Island are wins. Uh, yeah, I'm taking the under on this as well. They got a tougher schedule. I mean, this is all this is going to be kind of the yeah. new debate in this new Big 12 conference, right? Is oh, who misses who in any given year or who gets yeah. who this year? Like who has the softer schedule? And Baylor, 
just for kind of where their program is positioned right now. I mean, they got they got this this trio of of Cincinnati, Iowa State, and Houston back to back to back in late October, early November, which will be nice, right? That hopefully at that point in the season will be a little bit of a reprieve. But I mean, they finish. I mean, it's Kansas State and Tech, TCU back to back weeks after that. Yeah. They got to go to Manhattan and to Fort Worth. And then, I mean, you get West Virginia to end the season, but what kind of shape are you going to be in at that point? Right. And so, uh, I, I, I mean, I think they get to six. I don't know that they get to seven. And so I'm taking the under. Yeah. Um, right. I don't know that West Virginia gets to three. I am okay. hammering the under on the next two teams. There, I don't see five and a half. I don't see five wins for, for West Virginia whatsoever. You don't see five for West Virginia? Nope. I don't see Let five for Cincinnati schedule. either. I'm looking at their schedule. This is the longest loading screen of all time. Why are you doing this to me? WV Sports. Thank you for finishing that. Okay. Uh, yeah, they start out at Penn State, right? So yeah, that's going to be fun. Uh, they played Duchesne. Probably win that one. That's a winnable pit. In They're going to lose that game. They're going to lose that game. Backyard brawl. Tech in Morgantown. They're going to lose that loss. game. They travel to TCU. Probably a loss. They travel to Houston. Toss up. Toss up, but I, yeah, but probably a loss. They host Oklahoma State. I think that's a winnable game for them. They travel to Central Florida. They host BYU. They travel to OU. They host Cincy. They travel to Baylor. Yeah, I don't see five wins there. I don't either. One and two in non con. 0-2 0-2 probably to start Big 12 play against Tech and TCU. Houston and Oklahoma State's an opportunity to grab one or two. Um, and then Central Florida, BYU, Oklahoma, Cincinnati's the next best chance, I think. Outside of all of those. Yeah. And we're talking about four and eight at that point. Yeah. And there's no way uh, Neil Brown's coming back at yeah. four and eight. No, no chance. Yeah. And he's okay. probably gone midseason or sooner than the end. Uh, yeah, I think it depends, right? You lose you lose both of those uh, old school rivalries with Penn State and Pitt, and then you start zero and two in Big Twelve play. You might not make it. You might not make it to October at that point. They might just jump ship because at that point you're talking about a team that's, you know, uh, one and four with a win against an FCS team as the only win on their ledger, yeah. and and that that could be really problematic for them. And Scott Satterfield yeah. won't get fired in year one, but he's also not winning five games. No, I don't think he is. I, I think his schedule doesn't set up very nicely for him in his debut season for Cincinnati. Their over-under is also five and a half. Um, Eastern Kentucky, Pitt, and Miami of Ohio are their non-cons. They travel to Pitt, which I think is a loss for them. And then their Big 12 schedules uh, on the tougher tougher side of things. I mean, they got Oklahoma, BYU. Um, Ohio, Iowa State and Baylor are both at home at Nippert. They go to Oklahoma State. They get UCF. They get Houston. They go, well, actually, no, this is an easy schedule outside and of I OU. Still, I still don't think they can get five wins. I don't think they, so either. They replace. Golly, what is happening here? With the exception of one player. Yeah. This, this schedule, this might be easier than Oklahoma State's schedule. OU, BYU, Iowa State, Baylor, Oklahoma State, UCF, Houston, West Virginia, Kansas. They miss Texas Tech. They miss TCU. They miss Texas. They miss Kansas State. Those are probably going to be the four teams, the four best teams in the league, and they don't play yeah. any of them. And it's not going to matter. They're still going to be very, very bad. 
That's true. Yeah. Under. And then just for fun, even though they're not a Big 12 opponent yet, Colorado is three and a half, Melissa. Uh, give me Colorado. Uh, I mean, it's a tough call, but I'm going to take the under. I would not be shocked at all if they won four games, but I'm going to go with three. I don't see four wins. I see at best one and four to start the season. TCU, Nebraska, Colorado State, Oregon, USC. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Yeah. Be 0 and 5. Arizona State, Stanford, UCLA, Oregon State, Arizona, Oregon State, UCLA, Oregon State, Arizona are going to beat them senseless. Yeah. Utah is going to drill them. And then you're talking about, oh, can we win against Stanford and Washington State? Maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. I'm taking the under as well. Jamie, we have been recording for over an hour. Okay. This and is going to be a long one. Hot takes to get through. Well, I spent the last hour heating up for these hot takes. All so right. So you are ready. Get after it. Um, what I'm going to do to help us kind of manage our time here is I'm going to start a timer. Okay. We're going to have 45 seconds to talk about each of these hot takes. So what we're going to do, folks, for those of you listening, first and foremost, we got an incredible amount of responses to the question that I dropped on socials on Monday, which was give me your hottest TCU take going into this season. So many people responded on Twitter, so many on Instagram. I put it up on the Horn Frog Blitz board as well. That by last I checked was like seven or eight pages long already. Wow. Um, and then we got a threads response. That's how popular this question was. Wow. Someone actually responded on threads. Uh, so I did not pull all roughly 200 responses for us to go through here. I called it down to about 46. Um, if you hear one that's kind of like yours, I probably lumped it in with that one and and kind of grouped it together. I didn't do the same kind of grouping that I did for the questions that we did a couple of weeks ago, but the same kind of thought process was behind it. Okay. Like so, it. What, so what we're going to do is I'm going to read the take and then I'm going to start the timer. We're going to have 45 seconds. We'll both go. You'll give me out of 10. You can use half numbers like nine and a half, eight and a half, whatever okay. uh, to give me how hot that is. 10 being like the hottest take of all time. Okay. And then go like a line or two about why you think the way you think about that. Okay. Okay. I'm not going to need, we're not going to need 45 seconds. No, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to crank through these. We're going to crank through these. Uh, We got 46, we got 45 football ones. And then someone, I didn't clarify on Twitter apparently that it was football thing. And so they gave me a basketball hot take. We're going to hit it though. So here we go. Mike, the great on Twitter says frogs dominate both OU and Texas in their farewell tour. Melissa. Uh, I'm going to give that a 7.25. I think it's pretty hot because those are the two teams expected with the nine and a half uh, over-unders. And so those are teams expected to be good. Not only are you saying you're going to beat them, but dominate them. If that happens, TCU maybe is vying for a spot in the final four once again. I think TCU does beat both of these teams this year. So I'm going to lower my hot rating to like a four out of 10 because I think that TCU gets Texas at home this year. They get a down Oklahoma and Norman with an opportunity to send them to the SEC with the loss. I think TCU gets both of those wins this year, four out of 10 for me. All right. Next one Pluto Brown. This is from 24 7 Horn Frog List. Amani Bailey runs for 1,100 yards. Melissa. 
I'm going to give this an eight because I just don't know that he's going to get enough carries to do so. Um, I think if that happens, then something bad has happened in the running back room and we're dealing with injuries. If everybody's healthy, I think you'll have a big season, but I think 1100 is a few too many. I agree. I'm going eight and a half on this one. Like I said earlier, I do think Imani Bailey is going to be the leading rusher when things are all said and done, but I don't think he gets to 1,100 yards. I'm not sure he gets to 800 yards this year, but I do think he will be the leading rusher. Eight and a half out of 10 for me. All right. John Wood. John D. Wood Esquire. John Wood tor- at John Wood Torch on Twitter. TCU is the Notre Dame of the South. That's a one, duh. <laughs> okay. I'm going to say six and a half. Six and a half academics aren't on that level, but okay. athletics athletics okay. program has been. I mean, if we're talking about it's football, it's a football Dame. question, Jamie. And, so and yeah, it's like a two or a three because obviously yeah. private school, yeah, things and stuff, right? But academics, sure, if you want to give them that. Like if we're gonna do all of that. All right, next, our our good friend Colin Post at Colin P underscore three on Twitter. He says Marcel Brooks plays really meaningful snaps and has a game winning play. Uh, I'm going to give our boy Colin a a 9.2, but I hope that it isn't a hot take by the end of September. I hope we're like, oh, yeah, we remember this guy's really, really good. I'm going to say seven and a half. Um, He has been practicing. He's had the red jersey on most of the time, but I think there are going to be opportunities to turn him loose. And I don't necessarily think that meaningful snaps has to mean a lot of snaps. Mm. I think in a key moment in a game where you need a guy to go pin his ears back and hit a quarterback, Marcel Brooks is still going to be able to do that for the Frogs this year. All right. WSJ Ryan, who was our response on threads. Shout out to you, my guy. Says, TC will beat Texas Tech, but lose to Kansas in the Big 12 championship. Uh, You get my first 10 (laughs) because you put Kansas in the big 12 championship. So WJS Ryan, the one guy hanging on to threads for dear life, which I love about you and I respect about you. That is a scorching hot take. My friend is on fire. I'm giving it a nine and a half out of 10 because I don't think it's even the craziest thing we're going to read. And this, of course, I had the benefit of that. Um, But yeah, that is that is a wild take. My guy, that is a wild, wild take. Um, Moving on. At YellMK at YellMK on Twitter says the frogs will not go undefeated in the regular season. That's a zero. Yell. You think it's a guarantee that they lose at least one game? Yes. Who is the guaranteed loss on TCU's schedule? I think that they are going to lose in Norman on Black Friday. I gave you crap for that earlier. Um, no, 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 no. I'm taking it back. I'm taking it back. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna lose. We're gonna lose uh, at Kansas State. That's the one that I look at and I go, yeah, I don't say any way that we win that game. I don't see a guaranteed loss on the schedule this year. I'm going to give it a four out of 10 because I don't think it's the hottest take in the world to assume that your team won't go undefeated considering only one big 12 team has done that since Texas did it in 2009 and it was TCU last year, but give me four out of 10 TCU loses an undefeated game or loses a game. Ah, the timer. We've, that's the first one we've hit the 45 seconds on. We're doing right. great. Good. We're doing Cricks. Great. Cricks from 24-7 Horn Frog Blitz. TCU's scoring defense finishes top three in the Big 12, Melissa. It's like a one. I think that, that like we've talked about that secondary is so good. Um, I think that easily could be one of the better defenses. I think Texas is going to be a great defense. I think Kansas State lost a lot on the pass rush, but they still obviously I, – I think that it's not unreasonable whatsoever um, that TCU is one of the top three scoring defenses in the conference. 
Yeah, I give this one like a three and a half. Uh, I think the expectation is that the defense is going to be really good, and if they're not, then you know, then we got to start asking some big questions. I think about what's going on there. Uh, all right, next up, Mason Shireen at Mason underscore B Shireen on Twitter says this is the best secondary for TCU since 2013. Uh, I'm going to give that like a like a three. I mean, we've had we've had Trayvon Merrick, we've had Travis, we've had two Thorpe winners, um, but I do definitely think that the there's the potential for this to be one of the top three to five secondaries of all time, like in the modern TCU era, aka since Gary Patterson took over. I I think could be one of the ones that we talk about, like the the way that we talked about kind of Derek Kindred and and Sam Carter, some of those guys. I think that those players exist in all of those spaces. Yeah, they've got the highs uh, of those seasons. They've also got kind of the lows of 18, 19, 20. Um, yeah. I, I, do, I do agree with this. So I'm going to say this is like a three and a half or a four out of 10 on the hot meter, on the heat meter. Um, next up, scrub please at PLS underscore scrub, which is please scrub on Twitter. I don't know how dirty you are or what you are. Are you like a plate or something? Anyways. Dirty plate in the sink. Got to scrub it. Says fig goes fig goose eggs. Dion squad and Morris drops 50 on them. So TCU's going to win 50 to nothing against Colorado. Uh, I'm going to give that like a, like a nine. I, 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 I think Dion's squad will, will show up. I think the one thing we know about Dion Sanders is like, they aren't going to be as good as everybody, but they're not going to not show up. And I don't think TCU's going to be elite, elite opening weekend to be able to be a team 50 to zero. I would normally agree with you. I'm going to say that this one is a six out of 10. Okay. Simply because you're talking about an 11 and one Colorado team who saw 77 scholarship players turn over on the roster in the off season. One in 11 Colorado, not 11 and one. Did I say 11 and one? Yep. Yeah. I meant the exact opposite of that. Okay. A one in 11 Colorado team. That's got 77 new faces on the roster against a team that just went to the national championship, got humbled and wants to start out hot. Mm-hmm. Six out of 10. All right. I like it um next up all right i want to preface this by saying a lot of you far too many of you are getting baited by this meme account on twitter when they change their profile picture and start tweeting out fake real news Mm. okay fake breaking news too many check the handles before you retweet stuff or react to stuff folks because this handle is at horny mcfrog if you're getting baited by Horny McFrog on Twitter, you got to rethink a lot of things, folks. It's Horny, Horny McHornfrog says, the Colorado game will be extremely close and ugly for TCU. We won't allow deep shots, but Sanders will expose our terrible run game, run D all game. Uh, I'm going to give this like a seven and a half. Um, I would not be surprised if it's an ugly first half. I know you just what you just talked about would be, you know, in in conflict with that. I, I do think it'll take some time to get things kind of humming. I don't think the run D is going to be that bad. Like, I know mm-hmm. the strength of this defense is in the secondary, but last I checked, Dominic Williams is still on the roster. And as long as that dude's plugging holes, I feel pretty good about a run D. And he's got a good friend named Marcus Deal now that gets to play with him on yeah. the defensive line. This is like a nine out of 10 for me. This is, uh, I don't know that they'll come out clicking, 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 but I don't think this is a close game at, at any point in time against Colorado on September 2nd. Next up, TRF 51 from 24-7 Horn Frog Blitz. Paul Oyewale will be a first team edge player and have 14 sacks this year. This is like a 9.75 because when's the last time a TCU player had 14 sacks? I think it's been a long time. Um, I think I would not be surprised if Paul Oyewale 
is a starter. And if he is in the running as one of the better edge rushers, I don't see any scenario where he's got 14 sacks. I think there's going to be too much rotation. Yeah, I, I agree. Give me eight and a half out of 10 on this one. There have only been two frogs in the history of TCU football that have gotten more than 14 sacks in a season. It was Bo Schobel in 2003 with mm -hmm. 17 and Jerry Hughes with 15 in 2008. Those are the only two guys that did it. I don't know that Oye Wally is necessarily going to do it as a it sophomore, is, but you let him get further first, into his career. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe there's some there. His first All real right. playing experience. Mm -hmm. Next up. We've got Jeremy Murphy at Jeremy P. Murphy on Twitter says we will beat SMU and seize the skillet for the ending tour. Negative 2001. <laughs> Duh. Yeah, they're going to they're going to beat SMU. Uh, I'm fairly confident in that. I'll give this a two out of 10 on the heat scale. Uh, they're going to beat the they're going to beat the Mustangs. They're going to retain the skillet. Uh, and then we'll see how the last two games of the series go before it officially hits pause. Next up. We've got Patrick McCann at PB McCann on Twitter. Frogs finish with no receivers over 800 yards, but have four over 500. We'll start with that because I, I put two of his in here. Frogs finish with no receivers over 800, but have four over 500. That's like a five. It doesn't seem unreasonable to me. I think it's a seven and a half for me. Uh, 500 yards is a lot of yards. I don't know yeah. the last time TCU had four receivers get that get to that mark. Now they haven't had a marquee receiver. They've they've typically had a marquee receiver, right? A Quentin Johnson, a Josh Doxson, a, a Jalen Rager, that kind of thing. Um, but for four guys to get to the 500 mark, there's there's going to have to be a ton of rotation. And while there will be some rotation this year, I don't know that it'll necessarily get to that level. I still think we see some guys uh, clearly assert themselves as the top receivers. I'm going to say, what did I say? Six and a half or a seven? I think so, six, yeah. six, six and a half or a seven on that one. Cause I think it's going to okay. be pretty tough to achieve next. Dr. Crane from 24 seven horn frog blitz TC will be undefeated heading into Norman. Melissa, I know what you're going to say about this one because um, you just argued about the Kansas state game. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give this like a nine and a half. I just don't think it's going to happen. I'm going to give it a seven and a half. I don't, I, I also don't think it will happen, but I'm also not convinced that it won't happen. Um, as, uh, this is a hot take, but also things things break the right way for the Horn Frogs. It's it's a possibility, I guess. But yeah, seven and a half for me on that one. If TCU will be undefeated heading into Norman Sanju at Sanju Singh on Twitter, another playoff after winning the conference championship. Pretty hot take. I'm gonna say eight and a half. I think I'm right there. Eight and a half. It's. It, it, how likely is it that you get back to the Big 12 championship, put yourself in a position, everything else nationally breaks the way it needs to break for a one-loss TCU team to get in to the college football playoff? I don't know. Crazier things have happened, but do they happen in back-to-back -back years? I'm not so sure. Next, Carl from Waukegan, from Waukegan, sorry, at GoFrogs5320 on Twitter. The hottest thing, the, his hottest take is the temperature in the third and fourth quarter. Um, yeah. It's a cold That's take. It's a cold take yeah. for a hot take. Cold take for a hot day. Whatever it might be. I give it a two out of 10. I uh, can't believe that you included it. That's where I'm at on that one. I like that his name was Carl from Waukegan. And then I screwed okay. up saying it the first time. Right. Um, next up, Jay Parker on 24-7 Horn Frog Blitz. And I need to say this the caveat here. A lot of folks on HFB threw like five or six predictions in there into their posts. Several people on Twitter did this too. If you did that, I typically just snagged one or two of your 
bold takes just to try and allow space for other people to get their bold takes into because we're not hitting them all tonight. But Jay Parker, 24-7 Horn Frog Blitz, says, said on the board, let's get spicy. And then he said, this is a better linebacker unit than the 2014 team. I'm going to give that like, like an eight and a half spicy just because a lot of these guys haven't played a ton of football at this position and it's still going to come down to the depth. Um, I think the talent is there, but we're going to need to see, I mean, you're replacing pretty dang good player in D winters. Uh, I have a lot of questions. I think that I would not be surprised. So maybe, maybe I should like lower it to like a, like a five and a half, six. But when you think about, PJ Dawson and uh, Mal- Mark Smallett, right? Is pretty pretty good players. This is the 2014 linebacker roster: Jonathan Anderson, Ty Summers, Paul Whitmill, Paul <laughs> Dawson, uh, Marcus Mallett. Yeah, this uh, is not. I, I'm gonna I'm nine. gonna give this one. I'm gonna give this one a nine. Yeah, uh, I love Jamoy Hodge. Love Johnny Hodges. We'll see what Namdi Obiezor is. We'll see what Jonathan Bax is. But uh, this one's a hot, hot, spicy take, in my opinion. Um, next up. Horned up frog at one horned up frog on Twitter says Chandler Morris finishes finishes with a better statistical season in all categories than Max. Uh, that's a pretty spicy take. I'm gonna I'm gonna say say a nine, and a lot of that is because I don't think Chandler Morris is gonna run for nearly the yardage or touchdown that Max did. I mean, Max threw for two yards shy of 3,700 passing yeah. yards last year. He threw for 32 touchdowns, just eight interceptions. And he ran for 423 yards and um, nine touchdowns. So you're telling me that Chandler's going to get over 3,700 yards passing, more than 32 touchdowns passing, over 420 rushing yards, and double-digit rushing touchdowns. And this is a guy that has never played three games in a season. Nine and a half out of ten. Moving along. Uh where did I go? Where did it go? Oh, uh, horned up, horned up, sorry. Horned up frog had another one. He said, Jared Wiley will have seven more than 750 receiving yards this year. Ooh, that's a lot of yardage. I'm going to give that one a nine as well. I, I think Jared Wiley's going to have a great season. I don't think he's gone 750. I'm going to give it an eight. I don't think it's completely unreasonable in this offense, but I think there's going to be too much rotation at wide receiver for anybody to get like an insane amount of, uh, of yardage. And I know that kind of contradicts what I said about the 800, 500 yard thing. But anyways, we're just going to keep on rolling. Trey West at Trey West underscore on Twitter says TCU will end the season as the top passing offense in the Big 12 with Savion and JoJo both going for over a thousand yards. That's uh, a, a 400 out of 10. No <laughs> chance. Uh, yeah, this is like a nine and a half out of 10 for me, too. I Like I said earlier, I don't know how many people are going to get over 500. And you're telling me two are going to get over a thousand. I just don't see that happening. I don't remember the last time TCU had 2,000-yard receivers in the same season, um, even in these high-octane offenses. I don't think Lissonby and Doxon both got there in the same year in 14 or 15. Yeah. Definitely not 15 because they were both banged up. I don't think they did it in 14. And I don't think anybody did it in the Kenny Hill years either. So that one's no. tough. That one's tough. That one's like a 9.5 out of 10 for me. Feeling froggy. At Frog Truth 101 on Twitter, Chandler Morris is Baker Mayfield. I don't know. I'm no. This is no. That's all I got. It's a cold take. It's it's ter- It's dumb. I don't like it. No offense like- to feeling froggy. I just <laughs> no. He's not in any way, shape, or form. The end. Chandler Morris is a good kid. He's a good guy. He's not going to grab his junk at the opposing yeah. uh, sideline. He's not going to try and plant a flag in the middle of the field. 
Um, he is a smaller quarterback who's shifty and, and can throw the ball, but is he going to win the Heisman this year? If that's the comparison that you're going to, I'm going to say that's maybe like an eight and a half or nine out of 10. If it's like a personality based thing, I'm saying it's like a also eight and a half or nine out of 10, because I, I think they're, they're pretty polar opposite in that regard. Oh, Jamie, I, I think I think we got to shorten our timer. We got 25 more of these on this list here. We can We're already do 90 this. minutes. We're only hitting like 20 seconds every time. We can do this. All right. At Fort Frog or P- Fort Frog at Polish Cubs on Twitter. We will have another Heisman finalist this year. Uh 10. No, not happening. Again, like I, I, I'm excited. I want to believe in Chandler Morris, but I need to see this guy get through an entire season before I'm ready to send him to New York. Yeah, it's like a nine and a half for me as well. I think he has a great year. I don't know if it's Heisman finalist worthy. ATX Ryan on Instagram says TCU is better than Tech in football, no doubt. I'm going to give this a five because I I think that Tech has a lot of hype right now. But again, you got to prove it. Um, I think TCU has the pieces to be a really, really good football team. But we are looking at a new program in a lot of ways. And so I want to see things get done. I think it's a hot take. It's not a scorching hot take. Two out of 10 cold take. It's obvious at this point that TCU is better than Tekken football. Yeah. No doubt. Um, let's see here. Bryce Elliston on IG says Big 12 champs, regular season 11 and 1. I mean, I'm I'm going to give it a, a seven and a half. I mean, I think it would be an amazing season. I'd love to see it happen. It's not out of the realm of possibility, but it's definitely not the expectation. So hot take. Eight out of 10 for me. Eight and four is, is the floor for this team. I think 11-1 is a possibility, but I still think this is an eight out of 10. Mm-hmm. Um, Andy Swain from Horn Frog Blitz 24-7 says, Cordell Russell will be a freshman All-American, Bud Clark a consensus All-American, and John uh, Paul Richardson will have 75-plus receptions. So Cordell Russell is my rookie crush. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. I'm a big believer in him. I think Bud Clark absolutely can be an All-American. JPR at 75 plus feels like a lot. I think he's going to be probably 50 to 65 is not unreasonable. I don't think I can sign off on 75. So I'm going to give this like a like a seven and a half. Give me an eight on this one for each of them individually. Uh, I think in his thousand yard receiving year last year, Quentin had like 55 receptions or 60 receptions. So 75, yeah. 75 feels like a lot when they're going to rotate. Um, Luda Cliff on 24 seven and Horn Frog Blitz. He's also on Twitter, I believe under that same name says Namdi OBAs or will lead the team in tackles. Uh, that's like a four. I don't, I don't think that's, imp- I, that dude's just always around the football, right? He's mm-hmm. always around the football. I think he's going to, I think that's very reasonable. Yeah. I am giving this a five out of 10. He's a level closer to the line of scrimmage. Now you can assume he's going to make more plays out in the flats and, and up on the line. Uh, he's playing that D winners position. D winners led the team in tackles last year. I believe uh, I could be completely yeah, wrong on I think that. You're right. And uh, so, yeah, I don't think this is a totally hot take five out of 10. Um, next up, Swizzle714 from 24-7 Hornfog Blitz says TC plays in a New Year's Six Bowl. Uh, I think that's like a like a six. Like I don't said, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. Um, I, I think that it wouldn't be that unlikely. Um, but I also wouldn't, I don't think again, it's not the expectation. I give this a six and a half out of ten. Not the expectation, like you said, but is a realistic possibility. Master of Activities at JD Sailors on Twitter says this team is all around deeper and better than last year's team. Uh, I think it's like it's it's deeper zero out of ten, a hundred percent. I think there's more depth, um, but better. Uh, you're again, you're telling me that though that you've got better wide receivers than Quentin Johnson, Tay Barber, and D uh, Darius Davis. That you've got better running backs than Kendra Miller and Amari DeMarcado. 
Uh, that's really, and you've got a better quarterback than that Heisman runner up. Um, so deeper, I'm willing to say absolutely better. I'm going to say like right now going into it, you got to give that like a seven and a half, eight. I'm going to give the whole thing cumulatively a six out of 10 for all the reasons you listed. Moving on. Jen Bucan on 24 seven and horn frog blitz says the wide receiver core is better than last year. Fewer big plays, but more efficient route running hands, blocking and depth. I'm going to give this a four for what I just talked about. Like, again, better is is kind of the operative word here, but I completely agree. More efficient route running, better hands, better blocking and deeper. I think those absolutely could be true. I agree as well. I think this is a six out of 10 for me, though, just because I don't know. I don't know how proven all of this talent is versus last year's proven talent uh, that, that graduated and, and went to the NFL. Next up, moving on to MT Frog 5 over at 24-7 Horn Frog Blitz. Hoover is a better quarterback than Sanders. I'm not sure who Sanders is. I'm assuming Shadur at Colorado. Um, okay. I, I don't really know how to answer this. Stand, uh, so, okay. I'll give it a 4 out of 10. I don't think sure. it's necessarily a hot take. I don't think we know enough about either quarterback to really make a ruling yeah. though at this point. Next, Angelos Frog, 24-7 Horn Frog Blitz. Also, TCU. I should yeah. add, like, Shadur Sanders isn't a scrub. No, he's not. He's really talented. We'll and see what Josh he can do at the, at the power it, five level. Yeah, Josh Hoover has not thrown a pass in a college football game. True. It's true. Moving along, Angelos Frog, 24-7 Horn Frog Blitz. TCU leads the conference in interceptions on defense. Like a six. Um, I, I think they were very opportunistic, very ball hockey last year, got a lot of interceptions late. Um, again, I, I just I don't know how many teams are going to be willing to throw at their best players. Um, and so I I think that it's not out of their own possibility, but uh some things will have to go right for the horn fry. The 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 deflection interception pick sixes last year were amazing. It would it doesn't happen often two years in a row. Uh, I think it does happen two years in a row for the Frogs. I'm getting this one a four out of 10. I think they're going to be some ball hawks this year. Next up, Howdy555. Mohorfop Blitz says Frogs win the natty on bazooka kick to prevent Georgia from a three-peat. Just like a 450 out of 10. Yeah, 10 out of 10. Hottest take out there. Thank you, Howdy555, for participating. Next, Short Side Frog. 24-7 Horn Frog Blitz says the road to the Big 12 championship will still not run through Lubbock. I mean, yeah, obviously zero. One out of 10 for short side frogs. Hot take. Sorry. Try again. Next loaf as he's lovingly known on the, on the board life of a frog says helm plays better than fig. Avery helm plays better than Josh Newton, a cornerback for TCU this year. That's pretty spicy. Uh, Josh Newton has, has proven it. Um, Avery helm has a lot of the intangibles, the size, those types of things, but man, like I would go to war for Josh Newton. I'm not going to pick against him in anything. Yeah, I'm going to go nine and a half out of 10 yeah. on this one. This is one of the hottest takes, in my opinion. And it's not because I don't think Avery Helm is going to be a very good cornerback for TCU. I just think Josh Newton is that guy. Um, moving on, Mad Max at Mad Max Duggan on Twitter says TCU's defense finishes top 15 in the nation. Ooh, that's pretty spicy. I mm-hmm. think it's possible, but I'm, I'm going to give that like an eight out of 10. Yeah, I'm giving that one an eight and a half out of 10. That would be a massive leap from last year's defense to get to a top, top 15 defense in the country where are we where i lost there we go paul geofroggy i don't know if i said that right i don't know if i put the inflection in the right spot 24 7 horn frog blitz he says tcu is not undefeated going into manhattan we lose to byu the week prior but it ends up being our only regular season loss we go on to win the conference but are left out of the college football playoff due to two sec teams getting in ahead of us we play lsu in the sugar bowl that there's just a lot going on um very specific i'm gonna give it a nine 
Yeah, it's like an eight and a half out of 10, just for the specificity. Could all of that stuff happen? Sure. Will all of it happen? I doubt it. Um, Moving on. Annoying group of 20 from 24-7 says, Jared Wiley is a top two rounder in the NFL draft based on this season's production. Ooh, that's pretty spicy take. Eight and a half. Uh, You don't see a lot of tight ends go that early in the draft unless they're special, special, special. I really want to be wrong on this one. I'm going to give it a seven and a half, and I hope I get to eat crow. Same. I'm giving it an eight out of 10. Do I think he's a top four round tight end coming into the draft? I think that's reasonable. Top two rounds. That might be a stretch. Moving on. Lake Travis frog 24, seven horn frog blitz says Griffin Kell has three walk-offs this year. That would need a lot of close games. It's not going to happen. I will need blood pressure medicine. If that's the case. Yeah. No, eight and a half survive eight and a half out of 10 for me. Great. Uh, Jackson Hunt from 24-7 says Jonathan Bax will become a legend at TCU. I love that. I'm going to I'm gonna give that a 4 out of 10 because I do think that kid has all the tools to be an absolute legend. Yeah, I'm going to give that a 5 out of 10 for, for the same reasons. I think he's going to be – he's a really gifted kid who's in a system that's going to help him thrive. Um, West Texas Frog, I put this one in here because you got a shout-out from Horn Frog Blitz. He says, I am stealing this from Melissa Trewasser. Savion plays snaps at quarterback. And then he references a tweet you had about it. Yeah. So if you guys didn't see it, that on uh, the Bruce Feldman uh, freaks list, Savion Williams, who was a high school quarterback is like one of the strongest uh, just pound for pound, just dudes on this team. He also, according to Chandler Morris throws a football farther than anybody else. If we do not get a Savion Williams trick play throw talking to you, Kendall, make it happen. KB. If we do not get this opportunity, then what are we even doing here? I better see a bomb to whoever the fastest guy on that team is at least one time this season. Would that count as a quarterback throw, though, or would it be a wide receiver pass? See, here's where we get into the minutia. Okay, okay. That's why I'm saying this is like an 8 out of 10, because I don't know if he's playing snaps at quarterback, but will we see a Savion throw? I would love that for sure. Army Frog fan from Horn Frog Blitz says Josh Newton wins the Thorpe Award. I'm giving this one like a four and a half out of 10 because he's going to be on the short list if he has a season like he did last year as the, as CB1 instead of CB2. I think that he really truly makes a name for himself beyond what he already has and uh, that he at the very least will be a finalist for this award. Here's why I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to give this an eight and a half only because I think because he is CB1 this year, I don't think he's going to have the opportunity to make as many plays as he did a year ago, unless Avery Helm steps up and plays that well also. I also don't know how many schools have had back-to-back Thorpe Award winners, and I do think that those types of things do play into the final voting, but I agree he will 100% be a finalist if he plays like he did last year. That's a fair point. That's that's a fair point. Um, Moving on. Senior Frog from 24-7, Horn Frog Blitz says TCU wins the Big 12 championship and gets the one seed in the playoff after Georgia loses in the SEC championship game. TCU against USC and the Sugar Bowl. Frogs win, head to Houston to take on Georgia. Would this be the greatest week in TCU history? Casino crawl down I-10, a week-long bourbon beer stench from the student section. Yeah, this is this is a, a 700 out of 10 as well. Um but the answer to all of your questions are yes, greatest week. Yes, casino crawl. Yes, bourbon beer stench. No, it's not happening. Yes, the bourbon beer stench would also be in the press box because I yeah. would have participated in all of that 
10 out of 10 I will, spicy. I will, I will douse Mark Cohen in bourbon if TCU beats Georgia uh, in the Sugar or uh, beats USC in the Sugar Bowl for a national championship. And I don't think he'll mind. I don't think he would either. Frog O War, Frog of War 14, not to be confused with Frog's War from Horn Fog Blitz says JoJo Earl wins Big 12 Newcomer of the Year. You know what? If he's healthy and it sounds like he's going to be a big piece in the receiving unit as well, I think that's a, not out of the realm possibility. I give it a four out of 10. I give it a seven out of 10 because I think when you look at the overall incoming class in the Big 12 this year, there's an incredible amount of talent. And I think on TCU's roster alone, there could be a couple guys in that running. I am curious if they steal boats from each other. Seven mm-hmm. out of 10 for me. Texas Blitz from 24-7. Horn Frog Blitz says we beat Colorado by 35 points, 45 to 10, but we will only be up 21 to 10 at the half. I, I kind of like that, actually. I kind of like that. I'm going to give that a three out of 10. I, I, that sounds very reasonable to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think this is a terribly hot take. I give it a four out of 10. I could see this game playing out almost exactly like that. Pastor Frog from Horn Frog Blitz says playing Moneyball at wide receiver will not recreate the magic that QJ could create. Production might be the same, but explosive plays in the air will be down about 20%. Yeah, I, I mean, I think this is like a two out of 10. I think that um, our friend Jeff is absolutely right here. I don't think I, we're all excited about the depth and the abilities that these wide receivers can have, but do not take away from a first round, round wide receiver and what made Quentin Johnson so special. I think that we will very quickly appreciate how great he was, especially last year. I agree. I agree. This is going to be a very fun wide receiver group to watch. I give yeah. this I give this a four out of ten um, as far as a heat meter goes. And then the last one, Drew McDonald at Drew McD 96591543 on oh Twitter God. says TCU basketball final four. Uh, ten out of ten. Nine Spicy. out of ten. Nine Spicy out of ten. Jamie, we went for 97 <sighs> minutes. Look, the people need it. Because we love the people. The people needed it. Um, and this is the last time that we will do this without a game to preview. Thank goodness. I'm very much looking forward to the season starting next week. I'm very much looking forward to previewing Colorado with you and getting yeah. into the rhythm of college football season. But for now, this has been the Frogs Insider Podcast. I am Jamie Plunkett. She is Melissa Trebosser. Once again, thank you for listening. If you have not subscribed anywhere on any podcasts yet please go do that check out the republic of football network by dave campbell's texas football where you'll get all content from every d1 football program in the state of texas to go along with rtcu content and hit up our youtube page make sure you like and subscribe comment below the video let us know what you like about what we're doing with frogs insider and then until and next if you time, don't like something tell it to jb and not mm-hmm. be um because I'm, I'm sensitive we all know this and if you didn't get your prediction or hot take read on the show tonight just tweet at us we'll rate it right there on twitter if it's on the board just just bully me on the board i'll give you a rating on the board yeah i'll I'll try to jump into and and make some comments on the board you know oh melissa's gonna get nice to me people have been nice to me or maybe because i have not they haven't acknowledged (laughs) me which is also a win too so i may maybe i'll jump in as well we'll see all right folks that'll do it for this time we'll talk to you next time go frogs go frogs